it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Killer Stories. I'm your host, Bobby Holmes. It feels good to be back after taking a week off. I was visiting my sister's fam on the other side of the country, and I'm still recovering from the time change, jet lag, and COVID that has plagued my household. Fair to say it's been a rough homecoming. I received a lot of positive feedback regarding my last episode, the mysterious deaths of a group of hikers in the Kamar Daban Mountains, With that in mind, I do plan to cover more mysterious deaths in the future. It is definitely a topic that fascinates me. But for this week, I am back to true crime. I have a story suggestion from one of my co-workers, Melissa Bonds. This brutal murder happened in her hometown of Fort Walton Beach, Florida. So much shit happens in Florida. Melissa actually went to school with one of the killers, provided me with a yearbook photo and everything. This is the murder of Cordell Richards. Let's start with some background on our victim. Well, what little information I was able to find. Cordell Richards was born in 1968. He was raised by his mother, Ruby Richards. After high school, Cordell enlisted in the United States Air Force. His service was during the Gulf War of 1990 and 1991. He later married and had a daughter. Cordell and his wife divorced, and due to financial hardships, Cordell's mother raised his child. At the time of this crime, Cordell was living in an apartment and working as a line cook. In an effort to dig out of his money troubles, Cordell put a room for rent ad on Craigslist. 16-year-old Crystal Maestas was recently kicked out of her home. She was extremely rebellious and her parents had enough. I'm sure it's illegal to rent to a minor, but I believe Crystal lied about her age, although that cannot be verified. She applied to the ad and Cordell agreed to rent her the room. Crystal is in a romantic relationship with 17-year-old Ronald Bell. Ronald is the one who went to school with Melissa. Insert yearbook photo here for those watching on YouTube. She describes him as being a quiet kid. Ronald was a preacher's son, which makes what he did that much more shocking. Now, what started this whole thing was that Crystal claims Cordell made inappropriate advances towards her. At least that is the story she gave once they were caught. According to Crystal, on one occasion, Cordell came into her room wearing nothing but bikini underwear. Another time, he straight up asked her to have sex with him, even though he was well aware she had a boyfriend. When Crystal refused, he threw her against the wall, bruising her. 
Crystal told Ronald about these advances, and he purchased a deadbolt for her door. Ronald told Crystal to call him if she ever felt uncomfortable around Cordell. One night, Crystal had a friend over, 15-year-old Renee Lynx. Cordell propositioned both of them for sex. They felt uncomfortable staying there that night and called Ronald to pick them up. After that, Ronald gave Crystal a baseball bat to have for protection. Now, whether it was payback for supposedly coming on to Crystal and throwing her against the wall, I say supposedly because I'm not sure I believe a word these people say, there was another motive noted, Cordell's apartment. Strange, I know, but they wanted more than just one room. These teens thought if they could take Cordell out, they could have the entire place to themselves, rent-free. Big flaw in their plan. Obviously, these teenagers have no idea how the real world works. If Cordell is gone, no one is paying the rent, utilities, insurance, etc., They would have at most a few months of going unpaid before everything gets shut off and or evicted. I really don't understand this motive. You have to be pure evil to just randomly kill a person so that you can live in their home. Nonetheless, this is how their grand plan was executed. Crystal and her 15-year-old friend Renee seduced Cordell. While he was distracted by the underage girls, Ronald came up from behind and hit him over the head with a baseball bat, knocking him unconscious. Another version of events I came across in my research was that the next time Cordell was acting up, Ronald came over to have a chat with him. What started as a verbal altercation quickly turned into a quarrel. The baseball bat came out and Ronald placed Cordell in a chokehold until he fell unconscious. I find this unlikely. 31-year-old Cordell served in the military. Surely he could break free from a 17-year-old's wrestling moves. Ronald then asked Renee to go grab rope that was in his car. Not at all premeditated. They tied Cordell's hands and rolled him up in a blanket. Then they carried him out to Ronald's car and drove to a remote area in the woods where they tied him to a tree. And this is the part that makes zero sense to me. If your reason for killing this man is to take over his living quarters, just kill him quickly and move on. But that is far from what happened here. The trio tortured Cordell, so they had to find some sick pleasure in that. Over a 10-hour period, Cordell was immobilized, chained against a tree with duct tape over his mouth. Crystal, Ronald, and Renee repeatedly beat him with a baseball bat. When Crystal and Renee took their turns beating Cordell, Ronald complained they weren't using enough force. When it was his turn, he called himself Babe Ruth and swung with all of his might. Shockingly, after all of that, Cordell was still alive. Literally just about every bone in his body was broken, 12 skull fractures, 6 broken ribs, his clavicle, both arms, legs, and hands. Frustrated that Cordell wasn't dead, these teenagers decided to try a different method. They doused him with lighter fluid, ignited his clothing, and left him to die. But Cordell's will to survive was remarkable. 
When Ronald Bell returned the next day, Cordell was charred but still breathing. Ronald attempted to break Cordell's neck, but that didn't work. Not as easy as it looks in the movies. Next, Ronald, Crystal, and Renee made a target run. And not the kind of run to grab laundry detergent and eyeliner. They had something more sinister in mind. The three can be seen on video surveillance purchasing a meat cleaver. Afterwards, they went back to the tree where Cordell was chained up. Ronald took the meat cleaver and, quote, cut his throat to the bone. Even though Cordell was severely beaten and burned alive, the cutting of his throat was ultimately his cause of death. After committing a murder, naturally you would want to get rid of any evidence, especially the murder weapon. Guess what these dumbass teenagers did? They wiped the meat cleaver clean and returned it to Target. I am not shitting you. The freaking balls on these kids. The following day, Crystal actually brought her sister to Cordell's deceased body, as if to brag about what she'd done. They didn't bother trying to dispose of the body, they just left him there chained to the tree. As planned, they lived it up in Cordell's apartment. Renee told her mother that she witnessed a murder. Apparently, her mother found it best to keep this information quiet as not to implicate Renee. They both later retract the statement ever happened. Cordell's absence from work did not go unnoticed, but it wasn't until he didn't show up for his little girl's fourth birthday party that his family knew something was wrong. That is not something he would ever miss by choice. Even though Ruby was raising his daughter, he was still a part of her life. Ruby Richards reported Cordell missing to the police. Police came to check his apartment and found Crystal and Ronald asleep in one of his bedrooms. They were like, oh yeah, Cordell, this is his place, but we haven't seen him in a while. He works a lot. Now, this may seem very odd, but Crystal was renting a room in the apartment. So the police took their statements and continued their search. March 4th, 1999, nearly a month after his death, Cordell's body was finally discovered in the Fort Walton woods by a 12-year-old boy. Can you imagine the nightmares the poor kid had following this? Cordell was so disfigured that it was difficult to tell if it was a man or a woman. The body was in an advanced stage of decomposition due to the length of time that had passed since his death. The burn pattern shows that they actually burned the body again after cutting his throat to try and cover their tracks. Despite all of this, there was enough of Cordell's fingerprints remaining to identify him. Once Cordell's body was discovered, Crystal Maestas and Ronald Bell were nowhere to be found. Police drove to the family home of Crystal. En route, they saw a vehicle with the back window smashed out and covered with a black garbage bag. Inside the car were two teenagers, Crystal and Ronald. There were witness reports of a similar car spotted near the crime scene around the time Cordell went missing, with three teens inside. They both denied having anything to do with Cordell's murder. Crystal's family came to visit her and convinced her to tell the truth. She told the story of Cordell making sexual advances and how that ultimately led to them capturing and torturing him. 
Crystal Maestas, Ronald Bell, and Renee Lynx were all three arrested for the murder of Cordell Richards. In court, Crystal and Ronald showed no emotion whatsoever. They did not seem to regret or take responsibility for what they did. Renee Lynx took a plea deal and testified against Crystal and Ronald for a lighter sentence. A much, much lighter sentence. Renee claims that Crystal and Ronald premeditated the murder and she was brought in after the fact. Which may be true, but you were there through every step and participated in the torture. Florida is a state that has capital punishment. Bell was initially sentenced to death. But the judge later retracted the sentence due to his age at the time of the crime, 17. Might I add, he was two weeks shy of 18 when this happened. His sentence was reduced to life in prison. In court, Ronald Bell's father took the stand and begged for forgiveness from Cordell Richards' family. If you remember, I stated earlier that he was a preacher, and he saw his son as an extension of himself and could not believe he was capable of this. As a man of God, he needed the forgiveness of the family before being able to forgive himself. Crystal Maestas was 16 years old at the time and was sentenced to life in prison. Both of them were eligible for parole due to being minors, but the first opportunity was overruled. Renee Lynx was sentenced to 15 years, but only served 12. She was released at the age of 28 and is out living a comfortable life in Florida. There are photos of her just weeks after her release at parties with friends. Sickening that someone could do something like this and be free before they even turn 30 years old. Keep in mind, Cordell Richards was only 31. Renee Lynx drives a truck with a sticker on the back window that reads, The United States flag does not fly because the wind moves past it. The United States flag flies from the last breath of each military member who has died protecting it. You have got to be kidding me. The irony here. You tortured and killed a veteran, and here you are flaunting a sticker about your respect for fallen soldiers. It is unlikely that Crystal Maestas or Ronald Bell will ever get out of prison. That's it for this week. Not the longest of episodes, but even though it's a popular story, there's not a ton of information that goes along with it. I wanted to give a quick shout out to a listener who sent me the sweetest Instagram DM, Isabel Marie. By the way, I just started listening to your podcast a couple of days ago, and I'm already on Season 5, Episode 2, and I love it. I'm a UPS driver, so I listen to it all day, and I just can't get enough of it. Thank you for helping my day go by fast with your killer stories. Feel free to reach out to me on social media or my email, killerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. You can leave a review on Apple Podcast and or a rating on Spotify. If you want to support the show, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash killer stories where you can leave a one-time donation. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Killer Stories Podcast, and I'm on Twitter at Killer Story Pod. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this has been a killer story. <laughs>